My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. Hey everybody! Do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain? Do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate? Well then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host Morgan Feza. Let's get weird. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Feza, and today we have a very exciting topic. I put a poll on Instagram and I wanted to see what you guys wanted to listen about. So I figured the easiest topic for episode number three would be my personal experience with spirits. So this is a very vulnerable podcast episode for me, but I had so many votes that this is what you guys wanted to hear about. So I was like, let's give the people what they want because I mean, I want to, I want to produce things that you guys want to listen to. I know when I'm driving in my car or I'm working and I'm listening to a podcast, um, I need something that's engaging, something that pulls me in. So uh, I was like, what better way, you know, than to just put myself on the chopping block? So um, I have had, I'm very spiritually sensitive, so I'm just going to come out and say that. Um, People may think that I'm a quack. They may think that something's, that I'm weird. Um, You may all have your opinions, but at the end of the day, It doesn't pay my bills, so it is what it is. And I figured I might as well just entertain you guys with some of my life stories. So I have seen spirits. I have been very spiritually sensitive since I was a little girl. Um, I had many, many instances of being woken up in the middle of the night, um, seeing things in my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house was very very haunted. Um, I don't, I've never really asked my family members besides like my immediate household members if they've had any experiences. Um, but never actually asked like my family members who may have came over or maybe hosted, um, when my grandparents hosted stuff, you know, if they had ever experienced anything in the house. Um, but I know from talking to my mom, Um, and especially I've talked about this before, my grandmother being a very, very, I can't talk today. Um, especially with my grandmother being a very spiritual woman, God rest her soul. Um, since she has passed, she, you know, our family would always joke that she had like eyes in the back of her head because she was so intuitively inclined she just knew and she would tell you things that there's no way that she had a way of knowing like whether she was a psychic a medium clairvoyant clairsentient clairaudient you name it she knew though she just had this incredible sixth sense. Um, and I do think it's extremely maternal. I think it was something that has been passed down through the maternal line. Um, I think my goddaughter has it. I think that, um, you know, there's probably other women in my family that are also very inclined. Um, but I know my truth and I know, you know, regardless of what family doesn't believe me, what friends don't believe me, I know what I've seen. I know what I've experienced. um, And I'm a sensitive. I mean, that's just what it is. I don't practice. um, I don't like. I don't really know how to say that. I don't. 
I don't really practice or hone in on my skills like I probably could um, because believe it or not, I mean, a sixth sense is just like any tool. It's something that you have to practice and it's something that you have to get good at knowing your senses and and knowing what you're doing. Um, So I feel like I have always been intrigued by the paranormal because of this um, and trying to understand my gifts has been a 28 year journey in itself um, you know I would get intrigued I would kind of delve into it I would start to hone in on my gift a little bit and then I would pull back because I would get scared um, I would see things that would scare me and they would stop for a while something else would happen kind of you know intrigued me again I'd say all right I really got to learn how to harness this control this and it's it's a blessing and a curse for sure because I do think that although having a spiritual gift and being spiritually inclined a lot of people are like oh can you see the future can you predict the winning lottery numbers and it's like that's that's not how this works this is this is very much one of those things where Sometimes the messages, sometimes the things that you hear and see, sometimes the communication that is given to you is not clear. It's not clear cut and defined. So it can get kind of sticky sometimes because unless you're honed in on your craft, unless you truly understand the signs and the signals and the messages that you're getting and it's something that you work at every single day a lot of the times I mean the shit isn't going to make sense to you so I spent a lot of my life just not really understanding um not really knowing why things would happen the way they did or why I would dream about things and then they would happen not understanding you know how I knew about certain things, how my, I mean, honestly, my gut is always spot on. And anytime that I've disregarded it or haven't listened, I usually end up in a bad spot. Um, I'm always typically spot on about people. My problem is not listening to my gut. So you know, I feel very much like my grandmother and I feel very connected to her in that manner that I think that it was definitely passed down. Um, and I don't really know what to call it, but only my close friends, like close, close friends, um, know about this. And it was something that I have stayed closeted about for a really long time out of fear of judgment, out of fear of, you know, stigmas. And, you know, there was an individual who, you know, basically was making a joke about me and my husband's career field. Um, And it kind of sucked because I was like, I feel like I'm a genuinely nice person. I feel like I don't go out of my way to harm other people or judge other people for their choices and what they choose to do with their lives. Um, And I kind of tend to leave people alone, like, and just try and cultivate a space that encourages love and acceptance and allowing really just saving space for others to be accepted and, and feel welcome without judgment and not feel like they have to constantly, um, justify who they are, what they do, what they believe in. So, you know, to have somebody judge me and, make fun of me um, was kind of rough and I think that those moments are really what has kept me in my spiritual closet for so long because I was so afraid of judgment and I've gotten to a point now where I'm sorry but your opinions and your judgments of my abilities are not paying my bills so I'm going to continue to be who I need to be who God made me to be. And I'm going to talk about my experiences and I'm going to be who I am regardless of what you think. You know, you could, you could literally, you know, I, one thing my grandma always said to me, like when I would get upset about people's opinions of me or what they would think of me, she'd be like, Morgan, somebody could literally go around and tell you that you're a bird. Does that make you a bird? No, 
So I just had to kind of get over that hump of stigma and not looking for validation or acceptance, but finding that validation and acceptance within myself. So if you're listening, whatever, wherever you are practicing, whatever religion you believe in, whoever or wherever you are, what you choose to do with your life, I hope that if this message reaches you, that maybe today this little message is what you needed to hear in order to own who you are and be comfortable in that skin without judgment, without worrying about what people will think of you, but just coming into yourself and owning that and knowing that you are made absolutely perfect and that you don't have to change who you are just because you're afraid of what others may think. Um, And on that note, I will kind of delve into my supernatural experiences. Um, I kind of, it's hard because it's like some of these stories I want to save because I plan to have some people on the show, um, but we can always talk about it again, I guess, when they're on. Um, One of my earlier experiences um, happened with my other best friend and my cousin, (laughs) the same person, by the way. So her name is Liam. She has been, we always called each other built-in best friends because we grew up, we have um, always been very close because our grandmas were sisters and um, they lived, you know, they always have lived within blocks of each other, tight-knit. And we grew up and together and just every holiday, every summer and during the summers we would have these family barbecues and um during a barbecue the way that my aunt's house was set up was um my grandmother's sister had conjoining backyards with her with her daughter so my um aunt Jackie's house was to the left and then her daughter my aunt Michelle was to the right And the backyards, um, in one of the backyards was the pool. And then when you go through the gate, it was my Aunt Michelle's backyard. But that's where all our play toys were. That's where, in my Aunt Michelle's house, in her um, bi-level home in the basement, was where we had, like, our Nintendo 64, the playroom, um, Leah's room. So, like, we would... um, you know, during barbecues, if we wanted to go inside for a little bit, we'd go to my Aunt Michelle's house, play little video games, go play in the playroom. Um, and so on this particular barbecue day, we had gone inside, me and my cousin Leah. Um, we were playing some Nintendo 64 game. And all of a sudden, we heard something. And we kind of looked at each other. We're like, nobody else is in the house. Um, the playroom door had been shut. So we were like, okay, you know, we, we were looking at the door. We're like, that's weird. And before we could really do anything next or investigate the doorknob on the door started to rattle and we kind of froze in fear and just kind of sat there puzzled at like what was happening. And before we could run or scream or, you know, we thought maybe somebody was messing with us. Maybe it was her brother, Brandon. I I don't honestly, I don't even know if Brandon was born at this time, actually, because it was so long ago. But what I do remember was the doorknob started to shake, like, super violently. And then the very next thing that happened, like, just, it blew my socks off. Like, we were so afraid the entire door then started to like almost like somebody was holding it from the other side and was just violently trying to get out and was shaking this door to the point where we were like somebody is on the other side of that but nobody was in the house and we had no idea how this could even happen and we took off running and screaming and we told our families the stories but they were just kind of like oh, it's nothing. Maybe it was the dryer, washer and dryer, just, you know, making noise. And you guys thought the door was right. You know, like there's all that rationalization, but me and my cousin Leah still talk about that to this day because it was one of the earliest, um, moments of 
just a supernatural incident, um, which it was one of many that has happened in my Aunt Michelle's house. But me and Leah, when we eventually have our episode, um, I'm saving some of those stories for she I've probably had the most supernatural experiences with Leah um so I thought it was funny because like I don't want to tell too many stories but that was the earliest one um and me and Leah have you know she's another one of those people that has known me my entire life has known how very spiritually inclined I am has never made me feel judged for it um and she's always believed me always believed me, always encouraged me to just be who I was. Um, so it's not a surprise to me that we've had a lot of supernatural occurrences. Um, eventually I will talk about the Ouija board story when we do our episode, because I think that was another instance where, I mean, that was scary too. Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of moving on. Um, after that kind of took place, we were always like tiptoeing, you know, and we would always use like my aunt Michelle's bathroom because it was on the bottom floor and there was like tile. And so if we came in from the pool or something, we wouldn't mess anything up. And anytime, you know, after that, me and Leah would always go in pairs. We always went to the bathroom together. We always like, if we went to go like play in the playroom, we always stuck together and neither one of us like went in the house or out of the house without one another when it was barbecue time. Um, because that incident literally just, it just shook us. And I mean, um, even though like it shook us, um, it, I feel like it just like intrigued us more to really embrace, you know, the spiritual stuff happening around us to ask questions, to be even more curious rather than, even though we were, I mean, scared shitless, really kind of like get into that. And we like enjoyed, enjoyed the little adrenaline rush that came with that, um, and so we became the spooky bitches we are today. Um, but another uh, story, and, and this one is, I think, a little deeper, a little bit more emotional. Um, a lot of people will kind of ask me, where did like honing my gift and embracing my sensitivity and just who I am as a person like when did that come into play and when did I really actually kind of get serious with my abilities and kind of say okay you know how do I turn this from a curse to a blessing how do I make my life easier and learn how to control this um I really started to I think deep dive with this next story because it was an absolute turning point in my life and it was something that changed my view of spirituality because I had never been in this position before and it made me really actually say okay this makes me want to know what's on the other side this makes me want to know you know is there life after death because when we're children depending on what kind of household we grow up in a lot of the times our religion our beliefs things like that are influenced very heavily by our parents so you know my grandma was protestant um my grandfather was raised in a, a catholic household um but growing up my grandmother never swayed me and my grandfather never swayed me there was never a push towards any which religion i just knew to love everybody you know love love my neighbors treat people kindly accept everybody as they are don't exclude people don't judge people um and we kind of just talked about god and heaven and hell and these things as just a general topic so growing up i was very much just okay you know there's God and that's who I look to. That's who I still look to. Um, you know, I am a Christian. I fill my home with God and God's love. And, and that's just, you know, my take on things. 
but I guess I never really thought beyond that. I never really thought, you know, or even questioned my religion. Um, so when my grandmother, um, her cancer kind of had come back, um, there was a couple of days there, um, that were really scary and in in my gut I knew that something was wrong um I just knew that her cancer was back I knew just something in my gut was kind of telling me like okay this is it but I didn't really want to believe it so some really strange like spiritual stuff that had happened surrounding this entire time was from the time that my grandmother was hospitalized until the day that she died i remember it being like two exact weeks um and although you know obviously there was a lot of grief involved there was a lot of sleepless nights could that time frame be off (laughs) absolutely but i remember being like it literally was like a two-week process there was like a week hospital stay and then a week home on hospice. And the hospice is actually really what that experience opened my eyes and changed everything for me. So my grandmother, when she was, when she came home on hospice, you know, it was a lot of touch and go, a lot of just she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't like cognitively there at that point. Um, it was very much just administering meds, changing out, you know, her calf bag, um, and just, you know, kind of that back and forth, back and forth. Um, and it was just kind of a waiting game. Um, lots of family coming and going and just a lot of grief, I think, and shock. But what was crazy to me was there was a point where I think we all kind of felt like we knew it was getting to the end and we felt like she was holding on and we didn't know how to help her say, like, not say goodbye because she was so strong and like fearless throughout the whole thing, but we didn't know how to guide her, Um, which after having worked in hospice, it's crazy because the last thing they say that the last thing that goes is that person's hearing so you can literally help somebody transition and you can help them let go and my grandmother was I think more so hanging on for us so when we were kind of trying to figure out how to help her transition. You know, we had called in the hospice nurse because we felt like just that transition period was coming. And she was like, she's hanging on for you. You guys have to help her say like goodbye. Like, and you have to help like walk her through it. So we, me and my aunt were talking to her and we were kind of just trying to help her you know, let go. And my aunt and me were waiting for my uncle and my godson and his dad to to get there. And we were really hoping that they would get there before, you know, she said goodbye. Um, So literally every single one of us in our immediate family, we were there. Um, My cousins, her sister, my aunts, my grandpa, you know, and the only person that was missing was my uncle, my godson, and pops. And they walked through that door, came flying through the living room. Kyle saw my grandma, uh, my godson, saw my grandma, his face lit up, and he let out this huge laugh and, like, recognized her. And the minute that he did that, she took her final breath and when I tell you I swear you could feel the transition you could feel her leave that room and it was to find the words to even describe it it was 
jarring but like so beautiful because it was just such a tangible moment but such a release moment and it was like she was very much aware and she would not (laughs) in true grandma fashion she was not going to leave until she said goodbye to her grandson um to have all of our family members literally all around her um was this super spiritual moment it was super crazy um and I remember sitting there and I'm like that was insane and in that moment it was like this light switch went on and all I could think about was like where did she go like that's where my mind went I was like where did she go like your whole life you're taught about heaven and I mean the logical answer is yeah she went to heaven right but when you feel that physical transition it's like heaven becomes so much more real the afterlife becomes so much more real right and I feel like I had that period of grief I had that those moments of grief where I was like okay like I gotta get through the wake and the funeral and that was kind of like a blur but when all was said and done and we transitioned through that period one of the most like prominent like spiritual moments for me and this was the craziest thing that I've ever experienced um it was literally the the morning after everything was done the wake the funeral and I finally had that moment of like the family dissipates the friends dissipate all that you know, um, teamwork and camaraderie and all these people that surround you and you're so busy, you don't have time to stop and like actually absorb what just happened. It was like this moment where I had woke up and it almost feels like you just woke up from a bad dream. And like I walked downstairs and for those of you that have not been in my house, um, We had a very old home. Um, It still had like the 60s, 70s, like wood paneling down the hallway. The staircase was not see-through, like literally until you got to the bottom. There was no banister. It was just a wall all the way down until you turn that corner. So I woke up, go to walk downstairs like I had done for 20-something years. um, And... I turned the corner and clear as day, craziest thing that's ever happened to me. She was sitting in her chair like nothing had happened, but the TV wasn't on. Like everything was quiet and she just like looked at me and smiled and she was gone. And I remember like squeezing my eyes shut and opening them and I was like, what the heck was that? Like, I was, like, in shock because I had never experienced anything like that. I had never, like, she was tangible. She was there 100%. And I know some people be like, oh, it's like a grief hallucination. It could have been this. Your brain could have just been so used to that routine for 20-something years. But this is where that spiritual sense, that gut comes in, um... And this is one of those things that I've, I've literally only told maybe two people. Um, and it, it kind of like, it set me back. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like I was not prepared for that. Um, but I feel like it was, I feel like it was maybe like her way of kind of just being like, I got to where I'm going. I'm always here. And I'm okay. And that was like, after that, I, um, it was like a turning point. There was a lot of, my brain was going like a million miles a minute. And I was like, I have to research this. Like, what happens after we die? And I started reading about near-death experiences and life after death and I'm talking you know not just like 
you know, on Google, like I was sitting at Barnes and Nobles and I, the first book that I picked up and to this day is still my favorite book of all time. And I suggest it to anybody that I can. It is called Heaven is for Real. The book changed my view on heaven it changed my view on the afterlife it just really solidified that no matter what you believe in there's a hundred percent something more beyond right here right now that you know when people say that energy can't be destroyed only transferred that that is a very real thing you know I believe that we go somewhere far greater than here. And I do believe that we carry those people with us through our entire lives and that we're reunited at some point. And Heaven is for Real was a fantastic book. Um, Highly suggest it. Um, It's about a little boy who had appendicitis and he recounts his time in heaven and was able to recount things that there's no way anybody would have like they nobody would have known um that only somebody who literally had a bird's eye view could have seen um so it was it was a it was a crazy time and I was reading you know even books like from doctors from like legitimate scientists and doctors who were writing about things that they just simply couldn't explain so I went down this rabbit hole and was really looking into what happens after we leave here um and that kind of slingshotted me into redefining and not being so afraid of my sensitivities and the things that, you know, a lot of people find strange and unusual. Um, and my grandparents' house has always been a hot spot for activity. Um, there are definitely in their house, um, and my friends, <laughs> my friends can attest to this, um, any any of them that were brave enough to stay the night. Um, there was an instance where I was convinced uh, my grandparents, I think I was about 12, um, they had left me to go to just the diner that was up the street. And I was like, I promise I can stay home by myself. I'm grown. And they were like, all right, you're 12. Like you can start staying home by yourself. We'll be right up the street at the diner having dinner. So I stayed home and I was like, oh yeah, I get the TV to myself and was super excited. Um, I was sitting on the couch watching TV, just doing what a 12 year old does when they got the house themselves eating junk food when I heard a loud, like, loud clamor, like something had crashed in my basement. Now, my basement, I mean, my house is old. Like, um, there was an engraving in the cement from the original homeowners. Um, and it became kind of a family joke where I would always tell haunted stories to my aunt. I'm like, I'm telling you this house is haunted. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, when there was a hurricane, um, I don't know, remember if it was Irene or there was one that rocked us really hard and we didn't have power for like two weeks. So we have a, in my basement, my grandfather was a photographer. He had a dark room all the way in the back there was also a crawl space and those two spaces always kind of just freaked me out a little bit um but we had those hurricanes you could never really see all the way back into the crawl space because it was piled with wood for the fireplace so when we didn't have power we actually ended up using all of that wood which had not been touched i mean for years like since I can remember so before I was born probably and when they got to the bottom of the pile there were two little handprints and an engraving and there was I don't know if it said Jack or I'd have to ask my aunt um 
but it said Jack or something to that extent, and there was like handprints in the cement. So, um, you know, my aunt would always be like, oh, it's, you know, it's your friend Jack, or, you know, and she'd, oh, don't let Jack get you. So it kind of became like a funny joke. Um, but there were definitely multiple spirits. So here I am, um, in the living room and I hear this loud clash and I'm like, is somebody breaking in? Like this would happen to me when I'm 12. It's my first time home alone. So I go to the basement door and somebody very clearly was, I could hear them. They were walking around in my basement and I panicked. I called my best friend Lee (laughs) to come over and she lived right across the street so I was like Lee I'm scared I'm home alone can you just come hang out with me so she comes over so I felt a little bit better we're there and we hear something and I'm like glad that I wasn't the only one she heard it too so I kind of go towards the basement door I hear another like clamor and like somebody is down there like it sounds like a person so I'm freaking out at this point And I grab, you know, typical me. I'm like, I grab the Michael Myers size butcher knife um, out of the the carving block. And I'm like, we're hiding like behind, like there's like this little nook between the couch and the wall there. And I'm, I'm panicking. Um, And I'm like, well, there's not much I can do because at this time there was, my grandparents didn't have a cell phone cell phones weren't really a thing like they were out but it was not like it is today um so I was kind of SOL and I was like well we can go back to Lee's house but I mean I don't want to leave a robber in my house like I didn't really know what to do it probably wasn't the most logical thinking um so I just literally pushed laundry in front of the basement door and kind of tried to like jam it up um and we sat behind this like little nook in the couch with this butcher knife and just kind of listened to sounds and then my grandparents walked in after I don't even know how much time had passed and me and Lee like screamed (laughs) we started telling my grandparents my grandpa is like we're never leaving you home alone again and you know they they had a good laugh and they were kind of like you're being ridiculous this is why we didn't want to leave you home alone and so he goes downstairs and and stuff had there was stuff that was on the ground and had fallen over and my grandpa's like are you messing with us and I'm like no so he was like well something must have just fallen over in the basement like fallen over in the basement um you know there's nobody broke in because that basement door like he looked everywhere but the basement door has a like little chain lock it's got multiple locks on it and the door like a door latch so like somebody would have had to have literally have broken that off of the wall off the door like literally had to have done something like it would take some force to to really get in there um there was no sign of anything And to this day, I'm like, I know what I heard. I'm glad Lee heard it too, because it was terrifying. And I was like, this is, this is really scary because I know what I heard, but I knew that they probably thought something had just fallen. You know, the rationalization comes into play and it's like, oh, you're just being silly. So, okay, whatever. Um, the next thing Um, and I, it's funny because I just talked to Kim about this not too long ago. I, to this day, it is a dream that still terrifies me and still gives me the heebie-jeebies because of how just detailed and real it was. Um, and I truly believe that there was something, um besides the multiple spirits that I do believe reside in that home and are still here to that to this day um there was an incident where when I started to kind of realize that something was recognizing that I had a spiritual gift um and it wasn't I don't, to me, to, in my personal opinion, I don't think it was something human. I don't think it was something positive. 
Um, I think that there were a couple spirits in that house and there was something bad. Um, there was a night where I was, I had always been afraid of the dark. I will be the first to admit that as a 20 year old woman, I still have a hard time with the dark. Um, partly because of my experiences as a child, I just don't do well with it. Um, I feel like for a long time, what I would do is, and my grandparents would laugh, was they could not get me to sleep upstairs as a child. Um, so I would typically, my grandma bought me like a cute sleeping bag and I had a spot in the living room between the TV and this old antique radio that we had where like the heater was right between there. So I would stuff my sleeping bag right by the heater, would get all cozy and that's where I would sleep. It was where I felt comfortable. My grandparents didn't care where I was sleeping as long as I was sleeping and I was getting rest. You know, they let me camp out in the living room if that's what made me feel comfortable. Um, And so that's where I slept. And this particular night, I fell asleep. And I didn't realize that, like, I had fallen asleep. So when I fell asleep, I must have woken up in this dream. But it felt like I had laid my head down and then just kind of picked my head back up like I couldn't sleep. So I picked my head up and the only thing that I can compare it to is that it felt like the scene from Insidious when he's in his house, but it looks different and it's got like a different hue to it. So like I woke up in my living room and it was me my grandparents and my aunt right and we're watching tv like we did so many nights something was on felt like a sunday night like we were just watching one of their shows and there was this sound and it sounded like that sound in a horror movie where like a record just like slowly stops and the power just went like and everything went silent and i remember turning around And the lights had gone off and we're still sitting in my living room, but at this time it was just me and my aunt. So in my dream, I am looking at her, she's looking at me, and I could feel the fear and things kind of intensifying very quickly. And across from the where I was laying in the living room, you can see the staircase to upstairs, just the the landing. Well, when you would turn on the hall light for the stairs, it would kind of like shine down. So I'm sitting there looking at my aunt. The living room is dark, but you can still see. And the hallway light comes on. Immediately, I'm like, something in my gut is saying something's wrong. I look across, I'm looking at the hallway light. And in this very eerie like to this day I can hear it and it still makes the hair on the neck of the hair on the back of my neck stand up the sing-songy voice in my mom's voice was like Morgan and ugh, I like it was just so chilling I stood up and very cautiously started to approach the staircase and I remember hearing my aunt being like hold on just stop right there and she's like I don't I don't know what that is but that's not your mom and when she said that it almost was like something had silenced her and then this like gravitational pull started to drag me towards the hallway um So again, this is a dream, but it was so detailed that still today, how many years later, I can remember every single detail because that's how badly it scared me. And I know that it wasn't just a dream. It was something bad. It was something evil. I don't know what tried to approach me um, while I was sleeping, but it was just not a good spirit. Um, And anyways I got this gravitational pull towards the staircase and I remember looking up and it looked like my mom my mom was just standing there at the top at the very top of the stairs 
And this thing was trying to get me to go to my bedroom at the very end of the hallway. And that's where my room was. I was all the way at the back. Um, At the time, I think it was my aunt's bedroom, but that's where it was trying to pull me. So that later became my bedroom, but it was like, kind of saying like come with me and it was using my mom as like a guise like it was like come with me like I'm your mom like trust me like and I remember looking at it and I was fighting this pull with like everything in me like your girl was fighting for her life and I was holding on to the wall and my aunt at this point had disappeared so now it was just me fighting whatever this evil entity was and it was so scary and I looked down as I was trying to dig my feet into the bottom step and hold on to the door, like the the wall frame. And when I looked back up, this, whatever this thing was, definitely an evil whatever. It had no eyes. It was like revealing like it's true. I mean, whatever it looked like. Um, I mean, not whatever, sorry. Whatever it was, it was revealing itself as it was is what I was trying to say so when I looked up this it was black pits for eyes and it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life and it was just staring at me and getting angrier and angrier and I could feel that as it was trying to pull me up this staircase and I remember just closing my eyes and just praying to God and I was like I looked up at it And I was like, you will not take me. Like, I'm not going with you. You are not my mom. And it released me. I fell to the ground at the foot of the stairs. And I remember snapping up out of my sleep. And I woke up in my sleeping bag. The living room was completely dark. Hallway was dark. But it had sounded as if something ran down the hallway. And I was so frozen with fear. That was probably, if I had to say, like, I've been scared. I've had some stuff happen in my life and I have been terrified. Nothing will ever touch the fear and the nausea and how scared I was in that moment. Because I knew whatever that was, was not good and it was not going to do anything good to me. Um... So, I've had experiences on both sides of things with the light and some of the darker stuff. Um, That was probably, hands down, the scariest moment. But, what was really cool is the story that's going to follow that. And the moment that happened the next night... um, was I remember being I was scared to go to bed like I was honestly I thought I was going to become like an insomniac because I was so afraid after that dream to close my eyes I was afraid to get up and even go to the bathroom in the middle of the night because I was like I don't know what is lurking in the dark I don't know what is hiding around the corner um but the next night I went to bed And I remember I was sleeping and in my dream, there was, um, it was like, uh, it's so hard to explain it because it wasn't like one of those like dreams where it had like any kind of like scene or like there wasn't like a dream where there was like some, like a purpose to it or like I was at a school and I was doing something It almost was like a blank stage and there were three people just in the middle of this blank stage with a spotlight on them. It was very strange. And I still to this day can see their faces. There was a woman dressed in very time period appropriate clothing. Um, Definitely, I don't even know what time period it would have been, but it was uh, maybe Victorian or she was a woman with like this beautiful dress on very motherly very maternal very comforting 
and in the dream she was holding the hand of a very young little boy and they just made me feel so protected and so warm and I remember them smiling at me in the dream and telling me not to worry that they that they were there to protect me and that I didn't have to worry and standing next to them was this and as crazy as this sounds it was so odd but it was so comforting this Native American chief and you could tell he was a chief because he was strong he had body markings on him he had this beautiful beautiful feathered headdress massive and I remember in my dream just looking up at him and he was this massive strong like very well built human being and he carried this air to him almost like he was a brick wall and nothing was getting past him and he just looked down at me and he gave me a nod and it was almost like there was this communication that like whatever that was that was trying to hurt you don't worry about it because we're not going to let anything happen to you and that was it that was the dream there was a smile from this maternal woman this very stern head nod from this native american chief is what i'm assuming and i truly believe that those are the other three spirits in my home now here is the reason why i feel that way the little boy i don't recognize the woman i did not recognize this native american gentleman but this kind of leads into the encounter that i had had prior to this dream um there was a day where I was getting ready for school and I was, you know, just typical, like I had showered and I was just going to just quickly blow dry my hair so I didn't look crazy going to school with wet hair. And I had flipped my head over. My bedroom door was just kind of open and I'm blow drying my hair, blow drying my hair and I flipped my head up and I'm going to brush it and I brush the hair out of my face and I turn and a little boy literally looked like he was kind of peeking over the like he was holding the side of my door and just peeking out looking at me and as soon as I spotted him he very quickly ducked behind the door and disappeared and it jolted me because I wasn't expecting him to, to expecting to see him there and I was like well I'm the youngest one in this house because it's me my aunt and my grandparents so there's no way that there's a little boy here that I wouldn't know about so I had this experience and I was like okay you know wow like I just saw like a full-bodied apparition and like it it jarred me a little bit because I just wasn't prepared for it. So uh, fast forward, when I had this dream, I recognized the little boy and I was like, that's insane. Like, that's him. And I'm assuming, I, like I said, I still think that these three people were the spirits kind of inhabiting my house and then whatever that other energy was either did not belong there um, I have some theories that whatever that dark energy was, sometimes I kick myself. Um, I can't really get into that story too much because I want to talk about that when I do have my cousin on the podcast. Um, we had the only time that I had ever touched a Ouija board was when I noticed this darker energy shift, um, and sometimes I, I kick myself because I can't help but wonder, you know, was that something that I accidentally brought home with me? Um, was this something that was my doing on accident? Um, and the reason that my grandmother literally threatened me if I ever brought a Ouija board in the house, that me and the Ouija board would be on the street. <laughs> um, you know, she was very, very stern about that. She did not she was very um against Ouija boards and I can 100% see why but um yeah so I think I I do think that 
in a way they were kind of like my little angels kind of just looking out for me um and they're so also kind of following this up with the fact that the reason that I do truly believe that there is something still in that home that um you know I'm not too sure about that I think is of a maybe a darker kind was when we packed up my grandparents house and I went to you know there were two occasions um one weekend when most of the stuff was out was out but not all of it um we were going there to meet my aunt and help her pack some stuff up so we had gotten there a little bit earlier and we were in the house um me and Maisie just kind of waiting and Maisie out of nowhere I was FaceTiming with my husband she turned around and she started talking about a thing on the stairs and she got very scared um my daughter was petrified of the stairs and she kept pointing at it and she said mommy I don't like it and she said mommy is scary and my husband heard her and she kept pointing and was like refused to go over there and I had gotten up to just kind of stand my ground and be like you're not going to scare her like I'm not little anymore and you're not going to scare me or her and when I stood up she had a full-blown meltdown and like did not want me to leave her did not want me to go near the stairs um and I was like wow okay like kind of validates you know how I was feeling um and the things that I that I had experienced in the house um another instance was and I had posted a recording on Instagram um you know I had a lot of special memories in that home um despite a lot of the supernatural stuff that had occurred um I was singing uh you are my sunshine because it was a special song um and I'm singing the song and again you know she did okay when we first came in nothing really but I started singing the song and I got emotional and I had a good talk you know just to my grandparents up in heaven and I just wanted to say my final goodbyes to the house before we left for the last time before it was sold to a new family and um I remember you know she did the same thing that she did last time you know she halfway through my song um and I do think I have the video somewhere on my phone because I was trying to record me singing in my house for the last time and um she got scared in the middle of it and she goes mommy and she's pointing towards the staircase and the same thing and she started to freak out um so, I mean, is it concrete evidence? No. But as a believer, I mean, you're a believer or you're a non-believer. I'm, a, I'm you know, I, I kind of stand firm on that. And I believe. So when my child's telling me that she sees something and that it's scaring her, um, it kind of just validates for me that there's something, that there was something there, um, But again, kind of coming more into my more spiritual side of things, I don't let those things make me afraid anymore because, number one, I have a God on my side who is much more powerful than anything dark that could ever, you know, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. And two, mama bear's coming out. I mean, you're not going to scare my baby. And... I was very firm and I told whatever it was to leave that it was not welcome there and it was not going to terrify the new family. It was not going to terrify me while I was there saying my goodbyes and that its reign of terror was done. It was over. Um, So, you know, I had a lot, there was a lot of things that happened there. Um, But learning how to kind of stand my ground and put those things in their place and not you know, to always put my faith in my religion before anything like that, um, and know that, like, I have a God that's stronger than anything that could ever try to harm me or my family, um, has really helped me be less afraid of those things, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I could go on for years and years about the things that I experienced in my childhood home. Um, you know, the things that my friends have experienced when staying over, um, it just is crazy to me because now I'm finally getting to tell those stories. I never thought in a million years I'd have a podcast to kind of talk about these things on. So, um, I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed these spooky tales tonight, but stand by because I don't want to tell you all the good stuff because then what are we going to have to talk about? Um, look forward to some guests coming up because we have some great stuff lined up. Um, you know, we're going to have some conspiracy theory discussions. We are going to have some alien discussions. Um, I already have a bunch of people lined up that are just so eager to talk about their ghost stories. Um, and I know one of the second topics that you guys had like blew out of the waters on that Instagram poll was listening to listen, like you want to hear listener ghost stories. So I highly encourage you to write in if you have um, any stories that you want me to read on the podcast. If you want to be actually on the podcast and want to do an episode with me, I am always, always looking for people to be on the podcast because I want to hear your experiences. Like, did you have a haunted childhood home? Did you have an experience at a haunted asylum? I mean, you name it, but come back, come see me for another episode and let's get weird.